You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. It's pretty simple. If you are looking for a particular battery, any battery, you need to stop into an Interstate Batteries retail location and talk with a battery specialist. Whether you need a specific battery for your truck or a camper or a rangefinder or something as simple as a TV remote control, these guys will help you find what you need. Very simple, right? If you want to learn about the culture of the company, how it's been around for a very long time and how it is a company that is fully focused on its customers and its employees, you need to go check out the website, interstatebatteries.com. Interstate batteries, outrageously dependable. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and my uncle once told me that the trick to raising kids is ignore them. And I've never understood that until recently because there is no way I'm getting done what I need to get done in a day unless I ignore my children at some point. I just have to just let them survive on their own. And I think that's how, you know, like sometimes a baby bird gets kicked out of the nest or, you know, uh, certain animals, they have to wean the baby off milk. So they, they push it away and they, they, they're mad at it and it allows them to, uh, you know, learn how to eat grass and stuff. Well, my kids aren't necessarily eating grass yet, but I'm ignoring them right now. I have a, a decent view of them. I live on a dead-end street, so I'm really not worried about them getting hit by a car. So that's what's going on right now. But, dude, this is, an, this is a pretty cool episode. This is a continuation of the podcast that we released on Wednesday. And we're going to be talking with the guy who actually put my deer together at Old Barn Taxidermy. His name is Julian loker and he is a phenomenal taxidermist and he's only been doing it for a handful of years right um you know you heard in the first episode sam talk about him and how sam was like hey man i i really want you to come work for me because of the quality work that this dude's putting out and i'm telling you right now i i have four deer right now soon to be five that are coming out of Old Barn Taxidermy. And every single one of them, and and let me preface this by saying, I have no idea what it takes to enter taxidermy into a competition. But what I, where I look and where I stand, there are zero flaws in what comes out the door there. 
and uh, the first deer that came out of there and actually one of my favorites is from Sam and the next three soon to be four are all from Julian and I'm telling you right now it is they are spectacular pieces of art um, so if that, that's kind of a plug for the company but man I tell you what I would drive I drive two hours right now just to you know just to go there and uh, I would drive another two hours probably to be honest with you so this is about Julian this is about his <laughs> short it's a short conversation about how he got into taxidermy and then we talk a little bit about the details we talk about uh we're, i'm still brainstorming here about what i want to do with this european I'm, i shot a buck in 2009 i had it euro mounted it was hanging on the wall the kid shot like a nerf ball at it it fell off the wall broke the nose all up so uh, Julian and I kind of sit down and discuss of what we should be doing with that because I'm turning that into a euro mount and uh, you know just talk about taxidermy man so hopefully you guys enjoy this I do have to do a commercial real quick and who is it going to be lone wolf tree stands man I think we all know how uh, I love I love lone wolf tree stands man American made company first and foremost second it is if you're the guy who wants to learn how to be mobile this is the tree stand right this is the tree stand that allows you to make moves on a deer if you're the guy who's been sitting in in a ladder stand your entire life and you know now what you need to do all you have to do is execute this piece of equipment will allow you to execute efficiently and make moves on deer the equipment is silent and there's things that you can do to make it even more silent right but it is silent it is efficient and it allows you to sit in any tree and i know this doesn't really uh cover everybody in the united states but in iowa sometimes the right tree is as crooked as can be and it's really difficult to get in lone wolf takes that away and you can get in almost any tree that you couldn't get in with a ladder stand you couldn't get in with a, a regular hang on uh, that bat wing on the back of it that bracket is the key and uh man it's just an awesome uh, it's an awesome 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 product that i use every single year and i run and gun all the time so there's that and there's a discount code here if you want to save $50 off all purchases over $199 or $200, right? Enter the discount code 9FC50 at checkout on their website, right? It's uh, lonewolfhuntingproducts.com, I think. Let me double check that real quick. And it's going to save you $50 off of all orders. So, you know, go look at their tree stands, take $50 off. And that's what the new the new price is going to be, and uh, I just want to double check here. I don't. I should know this. This is unprofessional. Lone Wolf. LoneWolfHuntingProducts.com. LoneWolfHuntingProducts.com. Check them out. Uh, awesome tree stand. All right. So we're done. Uh, I'm done with the intro. I'm done selling out, and now I need. <laughs> Now it's time to get into this uh, taxidermy podcast with Julian Loker. 
All right, now I'm still here at Old Barn, and uh, I'm sitting across the table from Julian Loker, and he's the guy who actually mounted my deer. He put it together, and uh, he's really good at what he does. So my, my first question to you is, all those years ago, coming out of high school or or was there a time where you knew that you wanted to be a taxidermist? You know, there's ne- there was never really a time. I thought about it when I was younger, um, but it wasn't until just a couple years ago that a uh, buddy of mine um, knew how much I just absolutely loved deer hunting and loved deer that he, he, he just like, hey, you, you should look into taxidermy. I think he'd be really good at it. And that's how it started. Just a conversation between you and your buddy. Yep. And so how many years have you been doing it now? Uh, right at three, a little over, actually three and a half. So three years, um, three and a half years. Mm-hmm. And it just, it, it was just like that. I mean, it, it wasn't like something where when you were five years old, you had this dream to become a taxidermist or it, it was just kind of a, Oh, I'll give it a try. Hey, pretty much. I mean, I, when I was, when I was, I'm 33. So when I was younger, like in high school, so, you know, 10, 15 years ago, I thought about taxidermy, but um, I just was like, ah, I'd be too hard. You yeah. Because you always see the horror stories of somebody that mounts a deer, <laughs> you know, their first time, and it looks like, you know, a bug eyed. Something people make fun of. Yeah. yeah. Bad taxidermy memes on yeah. Facebook, you know. <laughs> so I was always scared to do it. Yeah. So let's kind of go back a little bit then. Um, have you always been in outdoorsy person i mean did you come from an outdoorsy family hunting fishing all that stuff yeah um family grew up hunting that that's that was our main source of food growing up was the deer meat mm-hmm. um you know and um i have two brothers and a sister and the other two brothers they they hunted as well and my dad and um met some really good influential people growing up that had a little bit more knowledge as far as the deer hunting goes and you know learning the scent and mm-hmm. scent direction and stuff like that and so um, yeah, growing up, I was always huge in the outdoors. Okay. Kind of obsessed really. Yeah. So, uh, back then, did you ever have this, I mean, there, there was no thought of taxidermy at all until your buddy says, Hey, you should be a taxidermist. That's pretty much it. <laughs> That's pretty I, much it. You know, I love, I love this cause, uh, I just got this big long story out of Sam about how Old Barn came to be and all this stuff, and it took years and fifteen years here and ten years here, and yours is like a five minute conversation with a buddy. It literally was. <laughs> it literally was. I went over to his house to butcher a deer for him, and he said, "Hey, you should look into doing taxidermy. I think you'd be really good at." It. I'm like, "Huh? You think so?" And it was literally two months later. I bought everything I needed to get started and mounted my first deer. A couple months later. So, did you go to any training? Or did you teach yourself? I, well, I, I was a YouTube warrior. I started okay. out searching videos on YouTube, and then I bought a couple DVDs. Uh, I had a couple buddies that were taxidermists that I used in the past. Mm-hmm. I'd call them up, ask questions. And then, um, you know, I've only, I've only really known Sam and Linda for maybe two years now. Yeah. And um, it was about two years ago this fall I started coming in on the weekends and mounting deer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a year ago back in March... Uh, it was when I started full-time here. Yeah. So what was your first experience mounting a deer like? Uh, I mean, there. I'm a hands-on guy, right? So I need someone 
to, so if I was going to start doing taxidermy, I would need to be in a shop. I would need to be looking at someone, having my hands on, you know, training and learning. So talk to me about how watching a YouTube video led to you mounting your first deer. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, when I get, when I get thoughts on my mind or my brain, I, Mm -hmm. I can't get them off. Yeah. And so until I actually do it. Mm-hmm. So, um, and my wife knows all about this. So <laughs> a lot of late nights in, in the basement <laughs> when I, when we had our basement and working on taxidermy, but so basically I just, you know, I, I watched hours and hours and hours of just YouTube videos. And there was this one series that was really, uh, straightforward on how to do things. Um, and I just, I tanned my own, my own deer skin and I had my own shaving machine. I mean, I just jumped right into it and, uh, I mean, when I got done with it, I thought it looked great. And then a couple of weeks later after it dried, it was just, it was all, you know, the skin popped everywhere and, you know, the yeah. eyes looked bad. And, um, so I'd really, I mean, honestly, my, my first experience wasn't a horror story. It kind of yeah. went pretty smooth and I, I don't know. Yeah. Do you know who Levi Morgan is? Yeah, I do. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So he's this really good archer and he told me a story that the first time or his dad got him a bow for in the first time that he ever pulled back and shot an arrow, he hit a bullseye. Mm. Right. And, and he, now he's one of the greatest mm-hmm. uh, archers to ever, you know, shoot a bow. Right. So here you are, you, you know, that, that first mount that you did may not have won any awards, right? but it wasn't shitty. Right. 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 Well, <laughs> it, it wasn't bad, but now that I, now that I look back at it, I'm like, ugh. <laughs> ugh. So I, I do that a lot. I see a lot of old mounts that, you know, because my first, my first mm-hmm. whole entire year was just basically doing things what I call at cost mm-hmm. and virtually free. Yeah. I mean, and, and I look back at a lot of them now, and I'm like, ooh, I want to redo that one. That's, yeah. that's not very good now. Yeah. But. So as you, as you started doing more and more and more, when did you say to yourself, hmm, I think I I got something here. Oh man. You know, so I I did um I did, I started taxidermy it was about a year into it. I went to my first competition. And um I didn't know anything about competitions and I entered into the amateurs. Mm-hmm. And I I ended up taking two mounts and and each one of them got an award. One of them was uh, best in best in category mm-hmm. and then the other one was um uh what was it? I forgot what it was. I can't remember what the other what the other word was. But anyway, but you, yeah. you placed. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Got two blue ribbons or first places, and mm-hmm. got two um, distinguished awards for the category I was in, and mm-hmm. and um, you know it kind of sparked the trying to trying to do better and better, and mm-hmm. you know attention to details, and so was this something that you kind of you were doing on the side, or was this a full time gig? It was it was a side thing. I, yeah. I actually worked for the USDA Wildlife Services. Um, I actually almost worked for them for ten years. Okay. And um, then my love of taxidermy kind of got in the way, and I wanted to do this full time. Yeah. Okay. So you you start doing these mounts. You get this. Did you enter in competition to try to see where you were and how good your work was, or did you did you need to enter that competition, or was it just something that Kind of was like, well, I just want to ju- I want to judge myself mm-hmm. to see where I'm at to see if I can continue this. Right. Yeah. I mean, going into your first competition, I had absolutely no idea what a competition was about. 
And so basically it was just kind of to see where I was at, what I could improve on. And, and the, the idea of a competition is it's not necessarily a, it's not necessarily a competition. It's, it's somewhere you can learn. Mm-hmm. And so you've got people that are best in the world, best in the state coming in all in one area. And there's a wealth of knowledge there. And so, you know, um, when people are walking around the room looking at different mounts, um, that's a perfect time to start asking them questions. You know, how do you do this? How do you mm-hmm. do that? How can you make this look more natural? And, you know, and that's, that's, that's actually the main reason why I compete is so I can learn, learn. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. So you started, you started doing these competitions and at what point did you start bringing on more, more heads and, and then saying to yourself, well, I'm getting good enough now to where I can start charging more mm-hmm. and start making a profit off of that. Right. Well, you know, a lot of people that are doing um, either part-time or full-time taxidermy, the, the biggest struggle is is when they start getting too much work, well, that's when you're supposed to increase your prices, you mm-hmm. know, because you got to start weeding out a few a few people because mm-hmm. you, you just can't take in too much. Yeah. So, um, honestly, I, don't really, I didn't really have that time to, to know – when that point was but like my first year i did 20 or 30 just for real cheap at cost the next year i ended up doing 60 mm-hmm. you know and then um the next year we had a really bad shotgun season where it just rained the whole entire time well that that really hurt on what i took in mm-hmm. um and then it was the next year i started working here full time yeah so it's i mean um but yeah a, a lot of a lot of people will tell you that they they never charged enough when they first started mm-hmm. there's a lot of work yeah um so that so I took I took what they said and and I kind of um, started charging from there. Yeah. So then, when when did you hop in with Old Barn? Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe it was the fall of 2018. Okay. Yep. And then I, I was just part time on yeah. the weekends. Yeah. So talk to me talk to me about that. I mean, Sam is very well known mm-hmm. in the taxidermy industry. So. Talk about that introduction because he briefly mentioned it in his podcast where he walked up to you and he started talking to you or you guys met or something mm-hmm. and, and he told you you do really good work. And so talk to us about that interaction and how that led to you actually working here. Yeah. Um, so I met him at a uh, – actually, I met him at a competition. It was mm-hmm. the Iowa uh, Taxidermy Show, and um, he was the president at the time, so I met him there. And then um, it was that fall – I think it was that fall. Maybe it was the next fall. Um, I went up to, uh, Wisconsin. I worked with, um, well, he ended up winning best in world last year in, in the world show. And it was Clint Ricky. Mm-hmm. And I worked up there with him for a couple of days, just, um, prepping his, his hides and stuff and, and learning a few small tricks and, and stuff. And then, um, it was shortly after that, I, I came down here and, um, was talking to Sam and basically, uh, told him what I did up there. And he said, basically he was like, you can come down here and work for me if you want on the weekends and, yeah. <laughs> you know, as much as you can. And so that's kind of how that started really. Yeah. And yeah. So then, so then you ended up transitioning here full time, mm-hmm. moving from where you were living mm-hmm. down here and, and became full time. What does a taxidermist who's only been, uh, I guess, uh, working really for three years, mm-hmm. going on four years now, what what are you learning from Sam, who's been doing this for a long time? Right. Uh, I mean, there's a there's a pile of stuff to learn. I mean, when I 
what I was doing on my own in the basement, it was just base the basics, mm -hmm. you know, um, learn if you had someone wanted to do a pedestal, you know, it's, I had to search how to put the backing on the pedestals and stuff and then come in here, you know, there's, there's, um, well, you got Sam and then you got other people here that have a wealth of knowledge on, on how to, um, do things. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, um, Sam's tweaked me quite a bit throughout the, the past year and a half or so. And, um, I've also learned, you know, from, from even our bird taxidermist, mm -hmm. you know, just different things from him. So, I mean, uh, there's, there's just, there's not one small thing. Yeah. It's a lot of big things, you know, that add up from, that I've learned from Sam. Yeah. So f from your point of view, was there anything that you've learned over the last year or two years that led to you putting out better mounts? Just like oh my God, I did this and now I'm going to keep doing this on every mount because it just, it makes a world, world yeah. of difference. You know, there's nothing easy about a deer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's a lot of hair patterns. There's a lot of muscles. There's a lot of, um, you know, tucks and crannies, you know, that so, I mean, the biggest things is, is ears and eyes in my mm -hmm. opinion. So the number one thing I try to do is, is, is to, when I do my clay work is to try to give it as smooth as eye as I can. Mm -hmm. And, um, a lot of that's just paintbrush, you know, yeah. after you get everything tucked in and you just start kind of going over it with a paintbrush lightly. And, and then second day, you know, after you mount it the first day, come in the next day and just doing second days. And that's, that's what I learned from a lot from Sam too, is, um, um, you know, you mount your deer and a lot of people think, oh, it's mounted. You let it dry for a couple of weeks, and that's good. But no, actually, you mount your deer. You come in the next day. You 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 fiddle with it a little bit. You know, tweak on the eyes, tweak on the eyelids. Um, I don't like this ear, so you change this ear. You know, and and um, you, Sam's pretty pretty. He's a go getter when it comes to well, let's just put our hands on it. Starts moving things around, yeah. and I mean, so I've learned that in taxidermy, you can pretty much fix anything. Yeah. Okay. So. All right. So you're you're starting to you know do this do you feel that you're getting better as a taxidermist yeah i mean i go through my highs and my low times when you're doing stuff and mm -hmm. i've i've even heard people in the you know best in world quality um, taxidermists even say this they'll go they'll have a time where they're going really good and everything looks really nice but then they have a time where it's just like they're in a little slump yeah and you know a lot of times it's the quality of the skin mm -hmm. um if you bring us a cape that's just beat up and scars and scabs and you're just you're not going to get that beautiful you know high quality mount just because it's he's beat himself up yeah or or the person didn't take care of it or yeah, yeah. i mean there's been times where um i've had to you know completely sew a slit all the way up to the throat patch you know because yeah. they went way way up too high yeah i mean that affects the quality of the overall mount all right so in in your opinion then i mean what makes what make what's the difference between a good taxidermist and a really great taxidermist hmm. time yeah i mean that's that's i mean i can't just go out there and start producing world class even if i even if i went to clint ricky you know and was like hey i want to i want to be just like you i could i could watch him i could do everything with him right then when i go home i have to i mean i just have to keep practicing mm -hmm. that's that's what it's like it's like basketball, you know, you just don't go in and be the best, you know, you gotta, it takes time, it takes practice, right. it takes a little skill. Right. Um, so how much of, how much of taxidermy 
is artwork. Oh man. Cause I, I look at a, I look at uh taxidermy on my wall mm-hmm. and I, I look at it as a piece of art. The end result is a piece of art. Right. Now I understand that there's a process. Do you have to have the form and the bonding and yep. the eyes and the antlers and all that stuff to, to, you know, put it, put it completely together. But how much of it would you say is like the angle and, and the mm-hmm. look and the feel and, and, and that like yeah. things that aren't necessarily in the description of a process. Right. I, you know, that's, that's a really hard question to answer because there's so much that goes into making a mount look great. Like we just said a while ago with, you know, junk hides, mm-hmm. you know, um, I'll never make it look good. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, like your deer, we, we, we altered it. We tipped the head up and stuff to kind of give it a little bit different angle. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, I mean, I, I really don't know how to answer that question. Yeah. I mean, cause it's, do you consider yourself an artist? I do. I yeah. do. Yep. Okay. I do. Um, because, you know, before I even put the skin on the mount or the form, you know, I am, I am basically, I'm rebuilding muscle mm-hmm. and, um, with clays, yeah, you know, so I'm putting, um, it around the ears and around the eyes. Sometimes that deer has a really fat face. So I've got to build the big old Roman nose, the dewlaps under the chin and, um, a lot of that's just roughed in, but once you get the cape and everything on, you sew it all up and you start tucking all the eye skin and the nose skin and all the lip skins and everything in, that's when the art really starts to come out. Yeah. So it's 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 kind of one of the processes where you're painting a picture. It doesn't even look like what – it doesn't look like anything. And all of a sudden, they throw some dust on it and they turn it upside oh, down. Yeah. And it's like, boom, there it is. Yeah. You know, it's it's kind of like that. What I do, the the – the artistic part of it is not until the very last second. Yeah. You know, where you're, where you're doing the, the detail work. Yep. Okay. Yep. yep. And All then, right. and then that's when you go in with the painting and there's, you know, I'm actually going to go train with a, um, a friend of mine. That's, she actually won third best in the world this, this past year. I'm going to go up there and learn. Uh, the, my main thing is to learn competition quality. Um, yeah. Stuff from her, you know? And, and so I'm hoping when I come back, I, well, you know, just a little bit better at your craft. Oh, yeah. yeah. So 10 years from now, 15 years mm-hmm. from now, do you still see yourself being a taxidermist? Oh, yeah. 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 So this is this is it for you. This yeah. Is your I, goal. I have I when it comes to work and then, you know, I've done everything from industrial building tires and a tire factor. I've done farming. I've done. Um, worked at power plants. I've I've worked for the government. Mm-hmm. I've been in the military. I, there's I have I've done a lot. Yeah. Uh, I own my own lawn mowing business when I was in high school. So I've done everything that I, and this is the first time that I have actually went to work and I, I look forward to going and I, well, with the chaos at home with four kids, yeah. sometimes I don't look forward to going <laughs> home, but, um, but I, I do, I, I, I come in at eight, nine o'clock and, you know, and I work till six, sometimes seven at night just because yeah. I you know, enjoy it. Yeah. All right. So, um, what's your, what's your favorite part of the whole process? When, when I was working on my own, the, my most favorite part was the smiles. Yeah. Person walks in the room, they see their mount and then just a smile lights up, you yeah. know, that was the, that was my most favorite part. Mm-hmm. Um, now 
now that I'm actually working full time, I'm kind of behind the scenes. So Sam does a lot of, or Colton, you know, here yeah. at the old barn, they do a lot of the, uh, the person comes in and, yeah. and, um, gives them their mount and everything. And so a lot of times I'll peek around the corner and if I can say hi, you know, yeah. I can, but, um, but really, um, I kind of like the finishing work after it's all been mounting and dried for two weeks. I like, I like the finish. Um, what goes into the finishing work? Yeah. I mean, so you got to, basically you got to groom the, groom the hides. Mm-hmm. Um, then you got to do, um, you, you got to texture the noses. You got to go through and clean, clean everything up. And then you, you end up painting them. Yeah. Um, you know, and sometimes you have to use what we call epoxy to fill in little cracks and holes and stuff, uh, just from the, the capes not being perfect, you know? Yeah. Um, but I mean, there's, it's, there's a whole process to it. Okay. So what about, so for me, I come in and I ask for something different, mm-hmm. right? I, can you make the head do this? Can you, can you do this? Does, does that kind of excite you a, a little bit as far as doing something different that maybe a lot of people don't do, or, or do a lot of people ask for customized work? It's not as much as you would think, but yeah, I mean, when, once we get to do something different, it's usually like, okay, yeah, you know, yeah. cause you, it, sometimes it gets a little plain and bland, you know, yeah. you keep, you do a semi sneak, you know, left turn, you know, 10 times, you know, yeah. in a row. And then finally somebody throws something in. I want to, um, I want the, I don't know, the head tilted sideways and <laughs> yeah. the deer are looking backwards or something, yeah. you know, and it's just like, oh, that's cool. You yeah. know? So it, it, that kind of puts more art, art in it, you know? Right. You're you're having to your your brain is stimulated mm-hmm. a little bit more having mm-hmm. to think about it. Okay, yep. it slows me down in the long run, you know, because instead of taking me X amount of hours, it takes me you know another hour or two hours yeah. per deer, which is fine. Yeah, but I got gotcha. you. Yeah. So, what about the um, what about like when someone when someone walks in right and they ask for your opinion mm-hmm. on something um like what what is your favorite mount i mean do you like full sneaks do you like semi sneaks do you like uh pedestal mounts like or is it or is it more based off the story that the person's telling it, it, there's kind of a few different scenarios i go off of if the person doesn't care one way or the other i i will look at the rack mm-hmm. and i will say you know, this is what I would do with this deer because because I've I've mounted enough. I kind of know what looks better with with what. You know, if you got a certain amount of points on one side and le- you know fewer amount of points on one side, you know it's there's a certain turn you wanna you wanna do. Um, a lot of times, people, you know, if if you kill a if you kill a deer that's super tall but not very wide, well, I like more of an upright pose. Mm-hmm. If you kill one that's super wide, I like more of a not a full sneak. Um, but somewhere in that semi sneak range, just because it makes the rack look a lot wider, mm-hmm. um, you know, taller makes them look really tall, more out makes them look really wide. Yeah. So a lot of, and that's a lot of times if they don't know what they want to do, we go off of that. Um, but if they, if they tell me their story, then I can kind of gauge what they're wanting from there, you know? Gotcha. So if they were just saying, oh yeah, he was just kind of coming in, walking real relaxed and. I mean, he wasn't super alert or anything. Then I can, you know, I can tell him, well, this is probably what you were. And then usually they're like, oh yeah, that's what that's what it was. That's what it was. Yeah. So when you when you're starting to build um, a mount, or you know, you hear the story and someone, uh, you know, you know, someone has an idea or something, how many of your customers actually just say, you know what, you do what, you do what you think is right? Uh, you know. 
I would say probably maybe 10% of people. Okay. Because um, most people, they've kind of already got what they wanted, you know, in their mm-hmm. brain, what they what they think they want. Um, I do get a lot of people that don't have an idea about the ear positionings. Yeah. And we have a little section on that says um, my choice or taxidermist choice. Yeah. And so when I mount a deer, um, whatever they wanted or whatever they said, you know, um, then if it says my choice, then I will mount the deer. I'll get all the ears and stuff set, and I'll step back, look at it. I'll tweak an ear. I'll step back, look at it. I'll just keep tweaking it until I I really like it. Yeah. You know, and, and usually the person li- likes it as well. Yeah. What's uh, what's some of the craziest things you've been asked to do? Hmm. Well here, well here, pretty soon I've got a um, um, two bucks that are locked together from mm-hmm. fighting, so I'm gonna have a double fight scene. Yep. Um, I did do one a couple years ago that the guy had a trail camera picture of it, and the deer was like he was looking straight, but he was like he had his head all the way cocked back, um, like he was grooming, um, or almost like his antler was gr- scratching his back. Yeah. And so I did one like that, which was a lot of altering. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. See, um, are there any common requests like, "Hey, can you add inches to my antler? Can uh, you make him look 200, or can you make uh, him look like 500 pounds, or anything like that?" I, I, you know, I get a lot of people that jokingly say that, "Hey, don't you add a few more inches on that tine?" You know, and it's like, well, I could if you want me to. I mean, I can, or put a drop tine on him. I can if you want me to, but, um. You know, when it comes to deer, a lot of people, they will say that, you know, yeah, make it look as big as you can, yeah. big as big as you can. I can only stretch a cape so much. Yeah. After that, it's 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 done, yeah. you know. And, um, you know, if I feel like I can get a few more inches out of it, I'll take it back into our tannery and I'll mm-hmm. shave it down even more. So, literally, what you're getting is the most I got you. Yeah. Um, so, I can't, I mean, I can't usually add, yeah. add pounds on there. How much, like, so you we're we're damn near in the big buck capital of the mm-hmm. world in in southeast Iowa mm-hmm. right um do you have to make alterations to the 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 mount itself because deer are gigantic bodies or i mean is or are the mounts that come in pretty standard and fit what the area provides yeah i mean Every deer has its own characteristics. Every deer has its own personality. Mm-hmm. Um, some deer have a little bitty body and a great big old fat head, and some deer have a giant neck and a really short nose. Mm-hmm. I mean, so when I go to test fit um, the cape on the form, um, sometimes I have to completely alter it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, most most of the time everything fits pretty darn nice here. Yeah. Um, but you have pockets like – where I lived up north of here about two hours, it seemed like every single deer I killed was an absolute behemoth. Mm-hmm. I mean, just a huge body. And then I'd start mounting down here, and a lot of the deer I'd mount down here really weren't that big. But then you'd get some absolute tanks. Mm-hmm. Well, I just mounted a whole load of deer from southern Illinois that half of them were just some of the biggest forms that you can get on the market. Mm-hmm. I mean, just it, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, some Some deer in pockets of the world just are huge some deer yeah. small yeah okay so how many how many heads do you typically do in a year i think this year we're in that three to four hundred range so you're going to touch three or four hundred roughly yeah wow so you're putting out two a day yeah so monday well i mount right now i mount eight a week 
Okay. Uh, Monday, I uh, completely paint and finish mm-hmm. um, the eight that I did two weeks prior. So okay. I come in Monday, I mount, or I uh, finish eight, and then the rest of the week I have eight to mount. Okay. So you're busy. Yeah, I'm I'm busy. Yeah. 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 Does it ever get, you know, do you ever get... Like from from a creative standpoint, you know, you're you're coming in, you're, you're doing not necessarily the same thing every day, mm-hmm. but is there something that you do that you know you're like, okay, I've been in a rut, I need to step out of this rut. Is there anything that you do that gets your, I guess, your creative juices flowing? I, uh, I, I mean, I try not to get in those ruts. Yeah, I I, I was kind of in one here not too long ago, um, just with a few different small things most people would never even notice yep um but but yeah i mean a lot of times i'll end up uh getting out the dvds yeah <laughs> i'll start watching the dvds again you know and um you st- i get online a lot and i, I surf i have a, i am on these couple of facebook forums and mm-hmm. debt tax their discussions and stuff and so i get on there and i start and and seeing some of the guys that are the best in the world's everyday product you know that kind of that kind of gets me going again you know yeah um but like sometimes I just have to step away and mount something different. And so here lately I've been mounting some bobcats and some coyotes and stuff just oh, just cool. for just for me basically, yeah. you know, and um, kind of get get away from the whitetail, yep, and then go do something else, yep. and then come back kind of f- refreshed. Mm-hmm. Okay, I got you. Yep. All right, so I'm gonna give you a head, right? Mm-hmm. And. I'm I, like right now in my head, I'm thinking about what I want. I have a place on my wall where I have, um, see, I've, I have, this one was a full sneak, right? The one that you did, or was it a semi? It was a semi sneak. Okay. Semi sneak with a head up last year. I did a full or two years ago. I did a full sneak. Um, the, the big buck that I brought in, in 18, I think that was a full upright. It was, I, I think it was a semi-upright. Semi-upright. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Yeah, it was either a full upright or a semi-upright. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. You, I don't know if you saw the head that I brought in. Um, it's a big fork on one side, yeah, and then it's a, basically a four-point side on the other. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, what ideas, knowing what you've seen mm-hmm. on that on that uh, euro that I'm turning into a a shoulder mount, what ideas? Let's let's talk it out here. Right. What do you what do you think I should do? I've I have some full sneaks. I have uh, a semi a couple semi uprights. Um, right now, I need one more left turn mm-hmm. to make it three right turns and three left turns in my house. So from an even standpoint, right? Yeah. So if you do if you do the left turn, that's the two point side closer to the wall, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That. See that on that on that head down there. That's my favorite part of it is the two point side. Yeah, I absolutely. I my ultimate goal is a giant six or a giant four. <laughs> so <laughs> you got half of what I want. Right, right. Um, but yeah, and if, if I remember right, it's pretty wide, right? Um, I can't. I can't remember now. I've yeah, seen it it's down there. Not. I mean, it's not too. T- I, I'm guessing eighteen. Okay, that's that's decent. Yeah, seventeen or eighteen inches. Um, let's see. Oh man. Okay, so let me, I'll tell you the story. Okay, maybe, maybe yeah. this helps. Here we go. All right, so I'm walking to my tree stand, and all, all of a sudden, it's just here. Right. Doe comes running in front of me five yards. Mm. This buck comes walking. My bow's on my back. Oh. I have my tree stand on my back. This buck is drunk 
like you, you've seen him before, right? Oh yeah. Like drunk rut, full right. bone, crazy. He's just dogging her. He stops and he's just staring at me. Hmm. Like he's just like, I don't, what are you? Don't care what you are, honestly. And then he, t- he, he does this real loud grunt right in front of me. Oh wow. There's another guy right behind me. He's, he's film, he films the hunt. And then he goes to dogging this doe and just pushes her up the draw. I, I go to where I was going to hang the tree stand. We get set up and, uh, another giant, I could barely see him. Another giant comes in, kicks this, that buck off, wow. takes the doe and goes somewhere else. So now this buck, he's kind of searching down in the low, um, below me at about 50, 60 yards. And he kicked, he like positions up. He didn't snort wheeze, but he's like posturing up mm-hmm. on another small buck that comes in. And then he disappears for, you know, a couple hours and I'm like, Oh man, I right. just like, I came in too late. Right. Yeah. So a, a group of does kind of work their way through. And then I hear some crunching coming through the timber right up on this draw up on the corner of the CRP field that I was in. And he steps out and, and then he's kind of walking real relaxed up this hill. And he gives me this, I had to wait for him to clear a big branch mm-hmm. And so I draw back and I give him that rap and he just goes, whoom, and he oh, just, yeah. just the swing, you know, like you see the swing, his antlers swing and he's looking up right at me, drilled him double lung and he mm. didn't, he didn't bleed at all. Oh yeah. So we looked for him all, all night and then we finally found him the next morning. But, uh, he was, he was probably one of the longest deer that I've ever shot. Like, I guess torso wise. Right. Uh, and then he uh, he had kind of a almost. Have you seen the deer that have like the reddish capes? It's almost not necessarily brown like you think yeah. of deer, but they have more of a, like an orange or yeah. a lighter tint to them, right? So um, the the guy who cleaned them out for me said, "There's you know, he, you know, he, he looked like he was uh, he who did the ear mount said, God, I think this deer is like six years old.' Mm. So." Um, I don't know. That's the story. Oh yeah. Nothing too, yeah. Cr- nothing too crazy, but yeah. I mean, he was, he was standing there at 10 yards. I could have spit on him hmm. when he grunted right at yeah. me. So, yeah. I, I mean, kind of what stuck out, the stuck out to me was the, you know, he's, he's kind of got that aggressive, um, you say he was, had an aggressive posture at one time. Yeah. He, he was, he was postured. Yeah. Uh, another like small 10 pointer came in like a hundred, hundred inch 10 pointer, yeah. probably two year old comes in and he's just postures up and just like bullies him right yeah. out of the way. So that, I mean, that would be, that would be cool too. Cause you can do, maybe you could do something where, um, do like a semi sneak. Mm-hmm. And then if you want a left turn, maybe, maybe have him turn and left and have his head tilted just a little bit. Oh yeah. And then puffed up. Okay. Okay. Because that's kind of the whole, to me, that's kind of the whole scenario of, of, or the whole story behind him is, was, you know, he was on his doe, you know, he's going to be trying to make, you know, be impressive to Mm -hmm. her. And then another buck runs him off and then he's, he's puffed up towards another buck, you know, and then snort wheezing and grunt, you know, so to me, it's like, he's got like a, you know, that testosterone, like, I want to look big and tough. So, okay. When you say puffed up, what do you do something different to make him look puffed up? Yeah. Well, um we'll back, we'll back brush a lot. Um, you know, we'll use these blowers and stuff to kind of blow the hair. And then by the time it's all said and done, he'll have a little bit more of a, um, 
Well, you, you've watched you've watched the, the shows on online or TV where the buck comes in to the decoy, sidestepping, and, and they're sidestepping. Yeah. They got their head postured down, yeah, um, and they're and all of a sudden they just look like they're four hundred pounds, yeah. That's just because they got their hair raised, yeah. And that's what we would end up doing is just kind of back brushing the hair and try to try to make it stand up. And that's a lot more intense intensive you know uh, mm-hmm. grooming as far as my part goes but once it's all said and done it usually looks pretty darn slick and the, mm. and the deer just looks like he's a, a moose you know yeah. yeah i'll have to think about that. that's a great idea that's mm-hmm. awesome man and then you, i mean most people don't do it so it's not yeah. something that you'll see every time you know on yeah. somebody's wall do you do you like that look Oh, I love it. Yeah. I wish I wished more people would be like, yeah, I want him to look like he's about to tax something. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we'll do it. Make him look like a uh-huh. bully. Cool, man. Yeah. Well, hey, I've I've told this to uh my deer this year looked looks amazing. Awesome. I mean, I every time I walk in the in the door here to pick up a deer, I know that I'm going to get something good that I'm happy with. Right. And I think this year this year was the first year you did this this particular deer all by yourself. Yeah. 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 So, man, you do some amazing work. I appreciate I'm it. I'm so happy b- yeah. with that. And uh, so thank you very much for doing that. And also thank you very much for taking time out of your day to hop on and chat with me, man. Yeah, no problem. No problem. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. It is time for me to stop ignoring my kids because my youngest just took all his clothes off and is running around the yard butt naked and that means that i have to go take care of that so thank you guys for tuning in thank you for following along please subscribe to the nine finger chronicles please subscribe to the sportsman's nation feeds and uh man that's about it huge shout out to you for taking time to download this man i really appreciate it huge shout out to uh the partners of this podcast for making all of this possible Huge shout out to Ozonic, Scent Elimination, Wasp Broadheads, Lone Wolf Portable Tree Stands, The Average Conservationist Apparel Line, and Podcast Now, and especially our our uh, title sponsor, Vortex Optics. Man, please go out and support the companies. They're all really good companies that all have really good products, and they all have really good people who work. For those companies so a uh, huge shout out there and uh, let's see here other than that man i, I think uh, i'm gonna let you go be kind to one another love one another um you know it's okay it is okay to have disagreements it is okay to not believe in the same thing as your neighbor does but we don't need to hate them for it we have to understand that everybody in this world is different and we all like and dislike certain things but take it from me you can still be friends with someone who has different views than you that's just my opinion i hope everybody has a good weekend man get outside call someone you haven't called in a in a long time and uh, man i'll talk to you next week